0: Listen. Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers, as well as this podcast. Nine Dots also offers industry-leading online content and the best annual conference in the known universe. Check it all out at nine-dots.co. Welcome back, Dotcasters around the globe. My name is Adam Johnson. I've been a wedding photographer for over a decade under the pseudonym of A R J Photography, and I'm your host here on the Dotcast. Today I'm chatting with one of my all-time wedding photography heroes, the ultra-humble, brilliant creative soul that is Steve Gerrard, who is now based in Montreal, Canada but hails from Birmingham in the UK. We'll talk about how Steve built his business to become one of the most well-known UK wedding photographers in the early 2010s before relocating to Canada and starting his business from scratch over there. He'll share some tips which I think will be useful to anyone contemplating relocation in the future or going through it right now. We'll also talk about Steve's other passion for music and music photography and how bringing his music photography influences into his wedding photography is what transformed his work in the early days. You'll also see the running theme of how Steve likes to get things for free. We didn't even once mention the similarity of his name with a once ultra-famous Premier League footballer and how he used to have to respond to tweets intended for the much less cool Liverpool player. Any questions, comments or feedback, drop Nine Dots a message on Instagram or Facebook or send an email to hello at nine-dots.co. Anyway, over to Steve and I hope you enjoy this episode. Knowing me, Adam Johnson, knowing you, Steve Gerrard, Aha!
1: Aha! <laughs> How, how's life in Canada? Life in Canada, considering everything, considering we are in the midst of an apocalypse, uh, life is pretty good. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, it's not perfect by any means, but there's a lot of people that have got it way worse and I'm trying to make the best of a bad situation. So, yeah.
0: I've always looked at you as a quite a positive guy. Have you managed to stay positive this year?
1: I've had a couple of glitches. Which are very much out of character for me for sure, um, but for the most part, I kind of do well with the punches um, as much as I can. You, I think you're right to say that I am quite, quite a positive guy.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean I, so I, just to give a bit of background, we'll talk about why you're in can- why you've got an English accent but you're in Canada in a bit for people who maybe don't know your history, but going right back to the first so you you were the first Photographer I ever discovered in my photography career that I wanted to be like. I remember (laughs) I'd start I just started my photography and then I discovered your website and I thought, well, that I'm gonna I'm gonna be that I want to be like him. Uh, So right straight away, the first thing I did was find out which WordPress theme you using and I copied it and I got exactly the same WordPress theme and tried to make a website look like yours and then quickly realised that I didn't have anything like the pictures you had. I mean, apart from that, I remember you had a you you were kind of headlining with pictures of like kiss and black Sabbath and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you, so you, you were officially the first photographer I ever copied.
1: Well, I'm honored because, <laughs> because, because the roles have reversed and now I'm kind of being influenced by what you're doing. So, um, there you go. The worlds have come full circle. I'm not, I haven't copied your website yet.
0: But oh, well you're, you're always welcome to. I feel like I owe you that. If you ever want it, you can have it, you can have it in return but no I mean uh, obviously back then you were based in Birmingham and not Canada but see and you're I'm right in saying that you were a music photographer before you were a wedding photographer
1: yeah so music photography as a whole basically started just as a an an excuse to get into concerts for free but also at that time I was working as a DJ so I was traveling a a lot with my DJing and quite quite often I'd be in places where I'd never expected to end up and didn't know if I'd ever go back. So I wanted to explore those places, but sometimes I was just kind of on my own. I had an extra day and I was just on my own and just sort of walking around with no purpose felt a bit of, I felt a bit weird for me. And because I've always loved photography anyway, as a, as a viewer. So I just thought, well, if I have a camera and I kind of wander around trying to make pictures of this place to show people that might never have been here. And that gives me a a reason to get out there on the streets and actually look. So that's what I started doing. And I just really got the bug for taking pictures and then coming back to England and getting into gigs for free because people wanted me to take pictures of of the bands, which to begin with, they didn't. And I had to basically (laughs) flag flag it. But after I'd done it for a bit and people started seeing the pictures and thinking they weren't crap, then people actually wanted me to do that. And that was just amazing to be not only getting into gigs for free, but being face to face with sometimes your heroes and being able to make pictures from it. It was, it was cool. Nice. And I, de- and I definitely didn't want to do weddings at that point. The idea of being a wedding photographer was horrific to me at that point.
0: Well, it was a, it was an entirely different industry, wasn't it? But how, how did that, how, when did you do your first wedding and how did it come about?
1: So my, Obviously, people saw that I was taking pictures and wasn't terrible at it. Well, they didn't see the terrible ones anyway. <laughs> A few people knew me as from my DJing, um, especially around Birmingham and that area. So they started going, we're getting married. You want to come and take some pictures? And initially, I was very sort of doubtful about doing that. But then money came into it. <laughs> Not much money at all. Um, but I thought I'd just kind of dip my toe in the water. But also around that time, I started get, seeing in magazines like photography magazines that people were doing things with wedding photography that I'd never, like I never associated with wedding photography. So there was people like Jeff Askoff who were doing the more documentary style. Um, and then there was people like Jerry Guiones who were doing almost like fashion photography and they were complete opposite ends of the the spectrum when it came to how to cover a wedding but I just it just made me think maybe wedding photography is not quite what I thought it was or maybe it doesn't have to be what I thought it was and that's when I kind of got a little bit more interested.
0: So did you when you first started photographing weddings were you you photographing, photographing them differently than you would have photographed for instance the gigs and the bands because they were weddings and you thought well to do a wedding you have to photograph it this way and it maybe wasn't the same way that you approached photography in other in other areas
1: yeah so the first the first wedding i actually went to with a camera was just a friend of a friend and they already had a wedding photographer booked but i said oh can i come along and just take some pictures and see, you know get get the vibe and see how i feel about it and the couple agreed for me to do that and i tried not to get in the, f- the main photographer's way too much at all I think I did a couple of times and <laughs> started to get a bit, pissing. but for the most part I was in the background, which kind of forced me into being more of the Jeff Ascoff side of things, you know, just kind of the documentary side, um, which was, which was also, I felt was a little bit easier for me at that point. Cause I didn't, I wasn't the kind of person that was ready for taking on group shots and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not sure I still am, but but it just let me play a little bit and see how, how, how like, I don't think I'd been at a wedding for years before yeah. that. And then I met my friend in, in Birmingham who was friends with the couple like weeks after the wedding. And I just gave them a, a bunch of pictures on a disc disc. <laughs> and then that was the end of it. But I bumped into my friend and he said, they actually preferred your pictures to the photographer they booked. A result. And I was like, Oh, cool. Okay, so maybe um I can do this, and here we are. Here we are, all these years <laughs> later.
0: Uh, yeah. on the on the dotcast. Yeah, but <laughs> so then after that, because I would say I would describe what I remember, you know, thinking back those ten years to when or eleven years to when I first kind of discovered your website and your work. Your your headline images, but like your hero shots back then, a lot of them were like album covers. Is that and is that kind of the approach you were taking? then to try and kind of turn weddings into kind of album covers
1: I, i'm like i like that you said that but at the beginning definitely not I i was definitely going to weddings thinking okay they, they probably want a shot of this and they want a shot of this then i've got to do this and my personality wasn't going into it at all it was like a, a shot list in my head and sometimes a shot list on a piece of April paper and I'm, I'm just trying to get what i think they want And that was the case for at least a couple of years when I started shooting weddings. And then somebody, I can't even remember who it was, said, you should try and bring some of your what you do with your music photography. And I was doing like band portraits and stuff like that. You should try and bring some of that into your wedding photography. And to begin with, I couldn't really see how those things could be combined at all. But I I clearly remember thinking... A picture of a groom with his groomsmen is pretty much the same as a band with a lead singer. They just want to look cool. And that kind of made me think, okay, well, let's try bringing that kind of idea into what we're doing. And then I discovered the images found. That must have been about, I think I discovered the images found probably about 2008, maybe 2009, something like that. So they're from, or they were from California. I think they've moved now. And they were just doing like super quirky stuff. And I look, and, and quite funny some of the stuff that they were doing. But I also like the sort of documentary approach to what they were doing as well. And I like that mix of what they were able to get. And I could see not only would I like that from my wedding, that I thought that would suit me more. And I could do something a bit different. And so I started to begin with Nikki and some of their ideas and then started gradually coming up with similar things of my own. And those were the kind of images that people paid attention to because even though I knew they were doing that over in California, the regular people in Birmingham and beyond had never really seen much of that. So it was one of those things like people, like I do wedding fairs back then and show these kind of, kind of really quirky pictures. And I knew that people, some people hated it or just didn't get it. Like, why the hell are you doing that? Why are you showing me this picture of a couple standing with traffic cones in front of the road? But I knew that there was going to be people out there that like that because I liked it and I'm not a complete weirdo. So (laughs) it's just a, it's just a matter of finding the people that wanted something a bit different and thankfully that kind of happened pretty quick
0: you with it i mean I, that's what i mean so i've probably discovered your work probably yeah 2009 maybe early 2010 that's when i was kind of starting out and you must have been already on that path then because i didn't see any of the any of the crap work that you, you you're saying you took before that so i was definitely seeing the more the more music inspired the stuff that was kind of, I guess, ahead of its time in a lot of ways, because it was definitely a time in the industry when it wasn't seen as like appropriate to do your own thing at weddings. There was definitely a, a genre called wedding photography then, I think. Um, yeah. And there was a way you're supposed to do, like you say, you're supposed to take, a, you're supposed to do a picture of the shoes and then a picture of the bouquet and then maybe a picture of the champagne in its in its ice bucket. I mean, and these were not these were not negotiable photos. Like these were. The- or,
1: or a picture of the rings on the shoes on the ice bucket. <laughs> with the champagne, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, no, just just as an
0: aside, I remember you used to you kind of. Am I right in saying you used to do like ring shots? Like you used to do quite quirky it, ring
1: shots. I used to try. I used to do ring shots at every wedding, pretty much, and I, now I only do them I mean, if I really have a good idea. to do, Yeah, to do. I think
0: I remember stuff like bal- like rings balanced on apples, and it, I mean, yeah. Now saying that almost sounds a bit naff, but it wasn't back then at all. It was it was totally different to what was being done in in wedding photography wasn't it
1: yeah it was um and it got to the point where i would always try and do those shots while the couple were having their dinner so they'd be sat down everybody would like the meal would start the service and i'd go over to the couple and say can i borrow your rings rings for five minutes and i'd i'd usually have an idea of what i wanted to do already and i'd try and incorporate things that they had at the wedding stuff that they brought with them or something that was unique to the venue or something i'd usually have an idea and if i didn't then i'd be like oh my god pressure's on i've got to think of something and i didn't i never wanted to repeat myself ever so i didn't want to you know just do a shot that i'd done like with the apples or whatever it was so it was always like this little challenge to me me during the wedding day but couples would get excited because they'd seen shots that i'd done before and like those so they were like wonder what he's going to do for our wedding. And I never wanted him to be disappointed with that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of, and I did that for a long time. I did that for years, really. Um,
0: do you think you did it, that for years because you realised it was, you know, if, if, for instance, if couples were getting excited about those things and, and maybe, no, I'm not saying you got booked for ring shots at all and it, nothing like <laughs> that, but did you see that there was a business element to things like that, to having these these different photos that people would buy into and maybe get you more bookings? Because I think you're you've always been, tuned into the business side of, of photography as well.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. You can yeah. say
0: no if you want. <laughs> I mean, people listening can't see your facial expressions. I get the feeling <laughs> that the question didn't go down well. Yeah,
1: I don't think I've ever been, I'm definitely not a pushy person when it comes to business. Yeah. Like, I pay attention and I'm, I'm very focused in a certain way. But I, don't, I hate people being pushy with me in business, so I definitely don't want to be like that with with couples and no, I, I
0: didn't, I didn't mean that way. I just mean, did you carry on doing these ring shots because just because you liked them or, or did you think that it was, it was a, was it, was there any tactics behind it?
1: No, not really. I just thought it was, it was a bit different. Couples seemed to like it. I quite liked doing it. And as soon as I stopped liking doing it, I pretty much, I stopped doing it unless something really grabbed me. And I'm like, this could be a really cool ring shot. And I have done some, in the last few years, but nowhere near as many for sure. And Jonas Peterson once said he never does ring shots because that's the only thing they always have on them. Like after the wedding, they can just look down at their hand and see their rings. (laughs) So that was, that was his reason. I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that, but that, that's, it wasn't, I wasn't taking pictures of the rings, like just together, like one on top of the other on a, on a wall. I didn't tend to do that. I used to make something that was more, more than that and, yeah. and using elements from their wedding that just made it a more interesting shot. And I've been to people, to couples' houses since their weddings and they've had the ring shot in a frame on the wall.
0: I mean, that's the, that, that's the thing, I guess, isn't it? You were trying to, you were making, fair to say, I guess you make, make trying to make pieces of art at weddings. That's the way. Yeah, it, man, I was making yeah. art. Let's do it. Let's go there. No.
1: so you know, In all seriousness, that's kind of what it was, whether you call that art or not. That's kind of what I, was, what I was aiming for, is to make it an interesting image that involved the rings. Yeah. And also,
0: I think that's cool in a way, because it, I can see why people would put that on their wall, maybe even over, over, over a picture of themselves, because they're putting a big picture of yourself on the wall is kind of vain. <laughs> Whereas but if you put the, the cool ring shot that your cool photographer took at your cool wedding, But it's not a picture of you. It's like you're putting one of your wedding pictures up without being really vain about it in a lot of ways. I can see why. I think it's a bit of a cliche, the whole, I don't do ring shots because they can see them type thing. But yeah, uh, I don't want to get too controversial. But um, Mm -hmm. so I remember the the next thing was kind of, I remember it was was 2011 and I was just about to leave my full-time job. And this is the heyday of Twitter um, for wedding photographers. And I was on Twitter one evening. And I saw a, saw a tweet from Steve Gerrard, who was obviously my hero at that, at that point, uh, <laughs> saying, I need a second shooter for this date. DM me if you're interested. And I thought, I'm definitely not ready to work with Steve Gerrard, but I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I remember DMing you my website address because that's what you'd asked for. And then you, you picked me out of, the, out of the thousands of entries you had for this second shooter job. <laughs> and the first, uh, the first job wedding I ever did as when I, when I went full time was to second shoot for you a wedding in Sheffield I think it was Sheffield
1: yeah it was I remember
0: it yeah cool wedding and uh, uh, Carla and Tim and I remember so many things from that from that wedding uh, I remember because I had to do groom prep before I'd even met you I think we'd had a chat on the phone maybe or by email um, yeah and I'd done the groom prep and the whole time I'm thinking oh my god these are never going to be good enough for Steve ever <laughs> in a million years uh, and then you arrived and I mean, this is a compliment. You were a totally normal person. And I was ex- <laughs> and I, was expect- I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was maybe expecting you to arrive on jetpack or, uh, or, I don't know, jet ski or, I don't know, your own private jet or something. But it turned out you were just a really normal, nice person. Yeah. Uh, and we had a good time that day. We had a good time. But, and I remember uh, I was still, at that point, shooting, like, Aperture Priority. And, and I remember at one point leaning over, asking, like, assuming that you were shooting Aperture Priority and you were, shoot- you were obviously shooting Manual, and I kind of asked you what your settings were, and you just told me your actual settings, like your manual settings. And I just meant, like, wh- where have you dialed up and down the plus and minus exposure wheel? And right. I thought, oh, my God, you can actually shoot weddings on manual exposure. You're even, a, even more incredible than I thought you were. Um, <laughs> but I think what it was amazing for me that day, and I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but just the fact that you were kind of normal and you dealt with people in a normal way and were, de- were ultra relaxed on the day but also kind of organized because you did have your piece of paper and you knew what you were doing at what point and all that kind of stuff. That gave me loads of confidence to crack on with my own career at that point thinking, Oh, he's, he's actually a normal, nice guy. And I think I'm quite a normal, nice guy. Hmm. So maybe normal, nice guys can be good at wedding photography. I think so, normal
1: nice guys are the best at wedding photography.
0: Yeah. And girls, obviously. And
1: uh, girls.
0: Yeah. But I think we had a good time that day. And um, yeah, I learned a lot. I, I think just in terms of a of general approach and, uh, and obviously they say, don't meet your heroes, but I met him and he turned out he was all right. And, uh, no, it was good fun. I think it was good fun. And, uh, I think, my, I don't know what point I'm making with this whole story, but I think you've always been kind of open to, uh, letting people into your world and collaborating and being part of commu- the community, the wider community and rather than trying to like hide and keep secrets and, and all the rest I, of it. That's always been even back in those heydays of Twitter. That always seems to have been like a big part of the way you've run your business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm, um, you know, I think uh, uh, for the most part, the wedding photography world is is pretty good at sharing. And anybody who kind of seems to keep secrets from other photographers is is a, seen as a bit odd and just a bit, <laughs> just a bit obviously vain. I think because it doesn't matter. Like, you can tell people all that stuff, and you're still going to take different pictures pictures from each other completely. Like, and you never remember everything that somebody tells you when you've got a camera in your hand, then you're at a wedding anyway. Yeah. Like, you can try, but you're not going to whatever's in your head and in your heart is going to come through in the way you take a picture and that'll develop over time. But you're, n- you're never going to be an exact replica of anybody who's given you all their secrets and even given you their gear. Yeah. You know, it's like, so why would you do that?
0: Yep. Absolutely. And
1: I really appreciate other people being open and honest with me. Like even today, another photographer here in Montreal, Tim Chin, the Ellis award winner. He, he, I was trying to get some advice on where my pricing should be with product photography. Cause I've had people asking about that and I don't really do that. So I don't know, you know, after being a photographer for 13 years, I don't really know how to price myself for, for product photography. And straight away, he was just like, this is what I charge, you know, no, no hard spots. And that's, that's how it should be. And it's, it's much appreciated even, even now.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's vital, I think, and especially a bit in like that, if you're going to be in the industry long-term to be part of it rather than try and push it away. But just before we talk about the whole Canada thing, I, so I was, I was talking to a photographer friend the other day and she, I was saying about who I was going to be chatting to on some upcoming podcast episodes. And I mentioned you. And she said, uh, your workshop, yours, Steve, was the best she's ever done. And bear in mind, she's been on mine since. So, uh, and I said, oh, thanks for that. But she knows, she said it, it was the first workshop she ever did. And it was the best one she ever did because I think you were so open and giving with your knowledge. Because how long have you been doing workshops for quite a while? How, when, how long have you been teaching workshops?
1: I, my first workshop, I think, was 2012. Yeah. And I didn't feel in any position to be teaching other people before that. And even then I didn't, but I had people, I had a studio at that time in Birmingham at the Custis factory. And I remember I had a couple of people come in asking me if I did workshops. Like they just walk in the door and say, do you ever do photography workshops? I'm like, "No, nah, sorry. And they're like, do you, any, do you know anybody who does that's kind of similar in style to you? And I'm like, uh, and at that time there wasn't really. Yeah. Now there's. Bloody everybody! But <laughs> at that time there wasn't. I'm like, nah, sorry. And then somebody else said, "Why do- Why are you not doing workshops?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't really feel qualified. Like, I'm still relatively new. It's only like four or five years since I shot my first ever wedding, which I guess is quite a long time, really." But um, and then this person, this person said the line which changed my whole approach and made me do my first workshop and they said if the photographer that you are that you were five years ago could spend the pho- the day with the photographer you are today, would that be useful to you? And I'm like, God, yeah, that'd be that'd be really useful to me to just learn everything that I've learned in five years over a few hours, not everything obviously, but like and and hopefully miss out some of the stupid things that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah actually yeah so and i remember it was it was the first day of swpp in london and that was the day i decided to announce a workshop nothing to do with the fact that it was swpp but i was going to swpp that day and i announced it on my blog and then basically got a train to london for the day by the time i got back the workshop was sold out and i was like oh okay that's cool. And then I started to get nervous that there was actually going to be people there that wanted to get their money. And it was great. I actually, and I was always the kid in school that hated talking in front of people. Like to, to the nth degree, I would avoid that kind of stuff at all possible costs. Like I wouldn't go to school that day. So I was kind of nervous on the first few workshops, but it was also really good fun. And I tried to keep that, very open easygoing vibe even at the workshops and i never ever want it to be me stood in front of people just talking mm. and then listening i want i always try and make it a conversation because that lets people it, it, i think it makes people ask questions when they might be a bit shy about asking but it also makes it easier for me because i don't feel like i'm just like there with all these eyes looking at me and the pressure's on it, and it becomes much more fun, and people joke around and have a bit of a laugh. And and I know that one of your nine dots uh, colleagues came on one of one of my workshops, and Alan Law came on one of my workshops, and there's quite a few people actually that we know that. And some of them have forgotten that they'd been on my workshops, and then they mention it, and I'm like, oh.
0: But speaking about that, I mean, I remember you. I can't remember who was first, but you did something again. You did something that no, nobody else was doing. I don't think in that you started hosting. Fo- overseas Photographers Workshops At your studio In Birmingham I know you hosted Davina and Daniel there Yeah um, And Jeff sure, Did I you host do. Jeff one of on those as well
1: um, Yeah And Yeah And Sean Flanagan
0: Yeah But no yeah. one else Was really doing that At that time So wh- again How, you did, know how why did, that
1: did You know why yeah. I did that Go for it Because I wanted to go On their workshops And nobody <laughs> was Bringing them over Right And so I got to go On their workshops For free I <laughs> let them use my studio Yeah And that it's- was Purely selfish reasons to do that. And quite often I ended up getting pictures from those photographers as a result for free. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, it, and, and it was, new friends and all. And the, and everything it was my favourite. And lots of new friends. Yeah, there was, you know, quite a few photographers that we would both know that came on those workshops as well. Um, so I didn't take a cut from them hosting their workshops in my studio. I would just get a free workshop.
0: Yeah I mean it's, it, I can see that you're saying that's selfish but obviously you're sharing that you're sharing that the ability to learn from them with you know 10 12 15 other UK based photographers so there's still that element of kind of sharing knowledge and uh, there's a selflessness to go along with the selfishness I guess <laughs> but so obviously you've then you know climbed to the arguably the top of the UK wedding photography industry at that point and at that point you decide to
1: relocate to Canada said the things we do for our wives
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's the main. That's the reason you immigrated, wasn't it? Because your your wife Evelyn is Canadian.
1: She is, yes. Yeah. So she's from Montreal. She lived with me in in Birmingham for nine years. So we we got married and had our kids in Birmingham. But she always used to get a bit homesick, and um, she's got a big family in Montreal. There was always a little bit of a conversation of possibly moving, and I, I was just a, a bit of an adventure, to be honest. And, you know, I obviously wanted to keep her happy, but. The idea of living on a different continent was just kind of cool. And I knew that it was going to be a risk business wise, if I only had known. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: what was it like though? So, what, what was the experience like? Was it was it literally starting from scratch once you got to Canada?
1: It was pretty much it was. Um, the only people that knew me here as a photographer were a couple of other photographers, one of which pretty much as soon as we moved over here got in touch with me and invited me out for coffee and told me lots just gave me loads of advice about how it is with the wedding industry in montreal and canada and so that was that was great you know initially somebody's just reaching out to you and saying let's meet up hang out and have a chat but all my kind of uh referral kind of potential just pretty much went out the window but for the first couple of years i was here i was just backing in the uk every literally every few weeks sometimes for weddings and the first year that i was here i don't i think i did one wedding and that was for one of evelyn's friends and that and all my other weddings were in either either the uk or or other places that i would have been going if i was still living in the uk so yeah it was it was it was hard and even even for the first two almost three years it was pretty quiet here as far as the amount of weddings I was shooting, thank God I had that. Thank God we live in an, in, we work in an industry where we can go back to the other side of the Atlantic and do a job that's gonna, you know, if I was a plumber, it wouldn't really be worth my while going back to, <laughs> to fix somebody's plumbing, but with weddings, you can do that. So thank God we, we can, do, we can do that and still earn a pretty good living while we build the business up yeah. in a completely new territory.
0: What what year was it that you were, you moved over?
1: End of two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, so I've been here almost exactly six years now.
0: And how long? Would, I mean, how long did it take you to feel established over there?
1: I still don't know who I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you moved at a time when when the industry was moving really really quick worldwide. I think in a lot of ways because yeah. you, you would have been. I mean, I always call it the kind of the SEO heyday that early to, early twenty tens. When we were all able to kind of get a good foothold in SEO over here um, without that much knowledge, and because it wasn't really something that everybody was trying to do. And I know you'd done pretty well at SEO in the, at that time here.
1: It was a necessity. I, I spent probably hundreds of hours learning about SEO and anything that could affect my SEO and my Google ranking in Montreal. Because I'd done pretty well in the UK, I had a lot of incoming links and things like that from things like rock and roll bride and rock my wedding and love my dress and those established wedding blogs and and lots of other places actually that they all pointed to me being in birmingham and google it's hard to for google to unlearn that because Mm. you to a different country so i had to just work and work and work and find tricks and like i knew a certain amount about, about seo but i've learned so much more now about seo and things that can affect your seo can i give us shall i give a secret away
0: if you want if you want to give a secret away steve you can
1: Photographers on the whole are ignoring the potential of pinterest these days it can really affect your google rankings and that's all i'm gonna say
0: <laughs> i like it i like it. you dropped a little Dropped a little nugget in, but people have to do their own research. But no, I, I actually agree with you on that sort of thing. It's, the, it's it's the it's the most neglected and potentially one of the most powerful. i have read I read a, just a short quote about Pinterest today actually, which was that pin, people look at Pinterest as a social network, but Pinterest isn't a social network. Pinterest is a search engine all all of its own. Uh, Pinterest yeah, yeah.
1: tried to be a social network to begin with, when a lot of photographers were joining Pinterest, and then it completely changed over the years in between when people just kind of left it alone and didn't do anything and, they, and people don't realise how much it changed Yeah, and, and even like hashtags, Pinterest used to say hashtags don't work on Pinterest, don't use them and then a couple of years ago it just completely changed that and now right. hashtags do completely work on Pinterest.
0: That's good. That's, a good, that's a great tip to give away and I think people have got enough time at the moment to, to, do their <laughs> own, to do their own Pinterest research but it's definitely something that I think a lot of people could benefit from focusing on so, good yeah. tip, good secret, good secret. Yeah, yeah.
1: way. What just, if, it, uh, I, just if, if you're in Montreal, please don't use that <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I mean, if I mean, we we see questions every so often pop up in the Nine Dots group about people who are either who either are going to relocate or are thinking about relocating. Have, have you got like f- three or four quick tips that you would say to people who are relocating of how they can begin to? You know, establish their business on the in the new place.
1: Obviously, obviously, just getting to know other photographers is hugely beneficial, and actually hanging out with them and you know making making friends and all all that kind of stuff is great because then you can send and shoot for each other and you can get referrals that way. One of the things that I started, and this goes back to the SEO thing, was researching the kind of venues that I would like to be shooting weddings at, and then doing seo aimed at those kind of venues like setting up a page for that 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 little trick that has worked pretty well for me here and e- even now i don't really get that many referrals because i haven't done hundreds of weddings like i did in the uk where i was getting a lot of referrals and i could rely on that to quite a good extent but here it's still I'm still like making sure that I'm on I'm on Google all the time because that's where people, for the most part, are still finding me because I've only been here six years and I've only really been shooting regular weddings here for four years. It's just hard. It is hard work.
0: I just ha- accept that. just accept that it's going to be hard work. That's your tip.
1: It is hard work, and you know, to begin with. Apart from when I was in the UK, I was here not really shooting much. So I had plenty of time to work on all that stuff, which, which means that now I actually am pretty good on the Google ranking. Like if you, if you search for Montreal wedding photographer, I'm quite often the first wedding photographer, there might be other like listing sites or,
0: mm.
1: you know, those kind of things that come up before me, but I'm definitely one of the first on there, which must annoy some of the photographers that live in Montreal and have been doing it for years and years here.
0: But. Who's this British guy that's come over here stolen yeah, our okay. <laughs> coming over here, taking our rankings. Um, is, is music photography still a big part of, of your life? It was. Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. Taking 2020 out of the equation.
1: Yeah, apart from twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, it's been a big part of my life. And I actually when I was in Birmingham, I ran a blog, a music blog called Birmingham Live. I also did music photography for a few magazines NME and a rock sound and metal hammer and people like that. But when I was coming, coming to Montreal, I knew that I wasn't going to have much of that. So I, I actually set up a blog called Montreal rocks a music blog before I even moved to Canada. So that was already live online with a bit of content. So when I moved here, I again made a few contacts looking for other music photographers and writers that can write about music and just put a little team together. And that allowed me to get access into gigs pretty quickly. And, you know, that's, that's done really well and, and keeps, keeps me pretty busy, even though that made much money from that, but I get hardly ever buy tickets for gigs anymore. But in normal times, I'll go to like four or five gigs a month. Sometimes, sometimes like three or four a week, depending on who's touring, obviously. And get into festivals and stuff like that, get to interview people, it, it's brilliant. I love it. And you can see that, that stuff on my site alongside the weddings. And some, sometimes people say to me, don't you think you should keep those separate because they're so different? And people think it's going to put off the wedding clients. But I've always been of, of the opinion that the kind of people who I like to hang out with tend to be quite often into their music and it's one thing that kind of sets me apart and if if they're like oh this guy he doesn't specialize in weddings he, he doesn't only do weddings so I'm not going to take him seriously fine I'll let him go
0: <laughs> you've always put your music photography right up alongside your wedding photography haven't you
1: well yeah. as
0: long as I and, as long as I followed your work
1: and quite often I, I've had a lot a lot of couples that when they meet me or when they talk me, we have a Skype meeting or whatever about shooting their wedding the conversation just instantly switches to music and they'll they'll say, Oh, I can't believe you've shot my favorite band!" And then sometimes I make a little note of that. And then when they book me, I send them a print of their favorite band that I've taken. And it's like, it's nice to have that in your back pocket. It's something different again. So yeah, I'm fine with it. It doesn't really work the other way around. That's the only problem. Yeah. If someone, if someone's looking for a music photographer, and they see you do weddings, then that makes them go, hmm. Not really a serious music photographer if you're wedding photographer yeah. somehow. And, and I find that it's a bit annoying, but that is true. Mm. It's just that whole wedding photography thing, isn't it? Sometimes it gets a bad rap, even yeah. though we know it shouldn't. I mean, there was
0: a time when it should have. We should, it should have got a bad rap. But I think these days, <laughs> yeah. some of the wedding photographers true. are some of the best photographers around. Uh, but people still don't people still don't see that do they what about what about djing is that is that in your past That now or is that something that is still a part of your life
1: i think i think that's definitely in my past i did um one gig back in 2016 i think it was in bristol a, a club that i used to play at back in the day was having like a bit of a uh, reunion anniversary gig and they asked me first of all they asked me if i was if i wanted to go Cause they didn't know if I'd be in the UK and I was going to be in the UK. So I said, yeah, I'd love to come. Like one of my favorite DJs, John Digweed, was playing. And then they said, well, if you come in, do you want to play? Do you want to play the, the, the pre-party is what they, so it's like in a, in a bar before the main event. I was like, and I hadn't, I hadn't DJed for like six years or something, seven years maybe. So I was like, I really fancied it. I haven't even got decks here anymore. So I couldn't even practice before. (laughs) So I said yes, which is the kind of thing that I do—is say yes and then kind of panic afterwards. And it and it was great. It was great fun. But then they sent me the poster for the event, and there was about four or five DJs playing, and I was one of them. My name was in big letters at the top, and everybody else was in smaller letters underneath. Don't make me out to be like the big. I mean, it was only the pre-party, but I was still like, you didn't tell me you were going to make me the headliner. (laughs) I haven't DJed for six or seven years. But, uh, but no, that was, that was it. So I think, I think that was a good place to just kind of go, right? Back for one more gig, and then we'll yeah. leave it out.
0: Maybe, maybe one day. Never say never.
1: Never say never. Never say never. And, I've, and, still got all, I've still got all the tunes, and I still can do it, as approved on that occasion. So. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not, presumably, you've not fallen out of love with it or anything. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, never say never. There's always time. And also, it's <laughs> 2020. Literally, any, anything can happen. 2020 has proved that. Yeah. Uh, so on that, I guess on that, on that subject, not to go into the whole doom and gloom of, of the world and what you referred to, to earlier as the apocalypse, has it made you reflect in any way on your work, your career? Is anything going to change? Do you think when the world gets back to normal for st- for your work or your, you in general?
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, it's <laughs> the apocalypse for want of a better word is, um, almost come at a good time for me in a way. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But <laughs> I was, I was thinking of adding new strings to my bow with photography anyway. And I'd already started to put things in place, like in 2019. But now it's kind of, with weddings being so uncertain, having other strings to your bow has almost become like a bit of a, a lifeboat. So, and it's also given me time because I haven't been shooting, Is giving me time to kind of focus on what I want to do and when we get out of this, how I want everything to look. Things like business portraits, I don't know if that's really the proper term, but like kind of editorial business portraits and even headshots are things that I was already thinking about going into, but trying to put my own spin on those. I don't want them to be just like, corporate like LinkedIn profile type stuff. I want them to have a, to have a bit more of an edge to it. Um so that it would sit along my alongside my other stuff and not look out of place. Yeah. Um and that's something that I am that like I say I was planning on doing anyway, but the fact that now that could actually lead to another income while weddings are a bit mm-hmm. uncertain. Plan A seems to have worked out quite well in that way. That's good. But we'll, but we'll see. It's still early days on that.
0: But yeah, no, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen some of that popping up on your Instagram. And, and uh, so, yeah, interesting that you're thinking. You were already thinking of that. You, again, you were ahead of the curve. Like you've always been ahead of the curve. You were ahead of the
1: curve already. <laughs> the Pandemic has nothing to do with me. So. <laughs> I wasn't blaming you for it. Don't worry. I wasn't blaming you. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got that. And then, and then, like, the other reason for that is that I can do that during the week when the kids are in school. And then maybe I'll have a few extra weekends. <laughs> well, I might anyway, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to rely on weddings quite as much. I still want to do weddings and I don't want, any to want anyone to think that I'm trying to get out of weddings cause I'm not, but it'd be nice to have a few weekends during the summer with my kids before, while they still want to hang out with me and still be able to earn a good, a good income. But I actually, I've done a few of these headshots and I've done a bit of that over the last few weeks, some of it for free for like local small businesses just to get as a portfolio building because I haven't got that in my portfolio that much. I have got a bit of it, but I wanted to just sort of do that, make a few connections. I've actually really enjoyed it and ended up just getting on with people really well and just hanging out way longer than we were supposed to be. And, and there's been some nice perks to it. There's a shop in about 15 minutes from where we live that sells all British stuff. It's the only place in Montreal where you can get like Hobnobs and Bisto and <laughs> uh monster munch things like that amazing but, so i did and they volunteered their time to get some some photography done and headshots and in return me and evelyn got a sit-down meal with fish chips and another one was a masseur and i'm going to be booked in for a massage in the next few <laughs> weeks
0: <laughs> you know I love it. The theme, uh, podca- the theme of this podcast has been Steve Gerrard likes to get things for free because in the early days you yeah. wanted to get into gigs for free. Then you wanted yeah. free workshops with your favorite photographers from around the world and made yeah. that happen. Even yeah. now you move, move into Montreal. The first thing you did before weddings was to set up a blog to give you free access to gigs in Montreal. And yeah. now you're getting free fish and chips and massages.
1: It wouldn't be the first time that I've been called a superstar bl- blagger. <laughs> 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 yeah. people are like. I used to go to Miami for the music, the winter music conference, um, every year when I was DJing and some of the high profile parties that like, even some of my favorite DJs struggled to get into, I'd, I'd ma- to blag into them somehow. And then people would see me in there and go like, how the hell is it? You, are, you, are you in here? Like, and I just, yeah, I did get a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a blagger. Amazing. That's all right. I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If it's still getting your stuff for free, then it's all good. Have you ever shot any anybody who's the who's your favourite person you've ever taken a picture of?
1: Well, well, my favourite band since like the early nineties has been Pearl Jam. So just being able to be right in front of the stage, taking pictures of them was it's always a buzz. I've shot them like three times. Looking through your camera and seeing on the other side Slash doing a guitar solo it's pretty surreal for a kid that was that grew up listening to rock music you know what i mean but then the same thing i've taken pictures of beyonce from a distance it has to be said <laughs> but just having that kind of access is you never get bored of that and it's it always feels like a privilege one-to-one it would be quite often it's just it's people that you may never have heard of because just because i'm a big fan of that music I get more nervous around unknown artists that I love than really famous people who I'm not that massive a fan of. So me having a connection to somebody's music makes me more nervous around them. But I did some pictures with like the guys from black Sabbath. That's, you know, that's a privilege because they're just a legendary band that have been around for 50 years. So yeah. And one of my favorite artists, which most people have never heard of is a girl called Kathleen Edwards. And I love her music, have done since 2008. I've seen her multiple times. I did some portraits with her at one point. She used some of my live pictures on her Facebook and stuff. And in three weeks, I'm photographing her wedding.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Love that. That's,
0: <laughs> that's, a, good, that's a good place to finish as well, because it kind of brings us full circle and right back to, the whole, right, right back to where we started talking, which was about mu- music photography, but. Um, no, it's been a pleasure to have you to have a chat with you. Thanks for the thanks for your time and, and some of the some of the nuggets you've dropped. And hopefully you've inspired people to basically f- see what they can get for free from yeah. here on in. Here on in, <laughs> that's,
1: that's all you should be doing now is just like trying to blag your way through life. That's what photographers do, anyway, isn't it? One of my one of my friends is is a musician but she also runs a coffee shop and she had the coffee shop and she was just like, well, if the the playing music thing doesn't work out, then I've got my coffee shop. And if the coffee shop doesn't work out, then I've got my music. And then COVID-19 hit and musicians were the first to stop doing anything. And then they shut the coffee shops.
0: In in a way, hopefully it makes us all a little bit more resilient on the other side of it and makes us take a little bit less for granted and be a little bit less. I mean, you touched on it, be a little bit less spoiled as wedding photographers thinking we can just do weddings and we can ignore any everything else and not diversify our businesses so yeah good luck with everything uh, on the other side of the apocalypse and uh, and hopefully I'll see you soon
1: yeah great man thanks for having me alright
0: hit it thanks once again to Steve Gerard for joining me for this chat for the dotcast you can check out Steve's wedding and music work at stevegerrard.com and his music blog he mentioned is montrealrocks.ca you can listen to the previous 33 episodes of the dotcast on any good podcast player and for more about Nine Dot's membership head over to nine-dots.co Sweet child of mine.